0: As you know, we're a Christian church, and at the core of our faith is this book, the Bible, uh, very uh, kind of enigmatic, contested in some places. What is this book? What is this literature? Well, fundamentally, what we believe about it is that it is literature that has been left us by Almighty God. Okay, God hasn't just set the world in motion. I remember thinking this before I was a Christian, wasn't brought up a Christian. Surely if there's God, he hasn't just left us. And he's primarily revealed himself by two means. Through the man God, Jesus Christ, and through his word, the Bible. So this book that is thousands of years old, written by scores of authors about all different times in the history of Israel and his church, actually is God's word to us. He chose to leave us a book. okay? And we can talk about that if you're interested. We can let you have a Bible if you haven't got one. But because of that we come to this book week by week and we just try and unpack it. What has it got to say to us? It calls itself the living word. So we believe that it has things to say to us, okay? Uh, It also talks in, in the Bible itself, it talks about the foolishness of preaching, speaking. So in one sense, what I'm about to do is utter foolishness. You may finish this talk and go, absolutely agree with that, okay? But somewhere in there, God decides to use this. So let's see if that happens, okay? There's a dynamic, we believe, that happens as God takes his word and anoints it by his spirit. So I'm just going to pray and ask that he'll do that because you need help that God's word will speak to you and I need help to communicate it. So Father, we just commit your word to you. We love it. We say we honour it. As best we can, we're going to obey it. And we just pray that you would anoint speaker and hearers that this thing that's about to happen would be fruitful, it would be helpful. It would be upbuilding. It would be encouraging. It might be challenging in there. But fundamentally it would bring life to us. So bring life now, we pray, in Jesus' name. I just want to say my, my talk this morning, and I'll explain what this business of at the edge of the desert is, but it's a It's a challenge, really, or an encouragement to those of us who may feel we've got stuck in a bit of a rut, like I'm going to explain in a minute, okay? So if that resonates with you, if you just feel, you know, somewhere there in life, I've got stuck, I'm not sure where I'm going, I'm not sure the way forward, I'm not where I thought I'd be, maybe this morning's word has got something to say to you. Uh, The wonderful Mary there has got Bibles there if you want to follow, and we're in Exodus 13, if you want to do that, on your phones or Bibles. And the story so far is that Moses, you may have heard of him, Prince of Egypt, all of that sort of stuff, has gone to the people of Israel who were slaves. He's gone to Pharaoh, the ruler, and said, I want you to let my people go. God wants my people to be free. God always wants us to be free. And uh, there's a challenge. Pharaoh refuses that. And so God sends challenges in the form of plagues to Egypt and in the end Pharaoh yields to God's will and he lets the Israelites go and this is where we pick the story up in Exodus 13 it says this when Pharaoh let the people go God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country though that was shorter for God said if they face war they might change their minds and return to Egypt so God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle or in military formation. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. When I was preparing this talk, sometimes kind of the idea for the talk comes in different ways. I pray that in there there'll be something from God, the living God. Um, But this came relatively straightforward in terms of the heart of the message. I read this passage here. And just this phrase, they camped to Etham, and the version I was reading said, at the edge of the desert, at the edge of the desert. And it's a great phrase, I think, for where we can find ourselves in life sometimes. You see, Israel on the surface had left Egypt. This is one artist's depiction of what's called the Exodus. Egypt, Israel had left Egypt on the surface of it. But the problem was it still had a hold on them. There was the threat of Pharaoh. We're going to see this next week. Pharaoh comes after Israel. He hadn't let go of them. But more fundamental than that is this. They hadn't got Egypt out of their system. You can take the boy out of fill in the blank for the city, but you can't take the city out of the boy or girl. Because... Culture's getting us, and the problem for Israel was this: Egypt had got in them, so they 'd not yet fully embarked on the desert journey. They'd kind of left Egypt, kind of, but they hadn't yet committed fully to the journey that God had got for them. So they 're in this place here that we might call limbo. No man 's land. They're kind of straddling. They've not yet fully committed to the way ahead and they're not too far gone to go back. They could still go back. And the problem with that is there's inherent risks about being in that place. Not fully committed yet to what God's, where God's leading us. And not too far away that actually there's something nice and secure about this over here. I think I'll go back. I may know God's leading here, but... This just looks a whole lot safer. How many of us know that when God leads, it will come with challenges? It will come with risks? and You need to be committed to that. You may be able to tell whether you're in this place or whether someone you know, you've probably got a friend who might be in this place. It's probably not you. It's probably a friend. Okay, But this friend of yours, they may, it may look like this. Their mouth is saying one thing, but their heart's saying a whole nother thing. I'm fully committed to this relationship. I am totally up for this. I'm fully committed to these children. I'm fully committed to this workplace. I'm there. And you just kind of go, mm, not, sure I, not sure I believe that. Because I'm not sure I, I pick that up from you and everything you're bringing. I'm not sure that's what your heart is saying. Or it may look like this, and I have more sympathy for this, that we've taken a step and we're wanting to go forward and we've taken action and maybe made some decisions about committing, but we're not yet in faith for that journey. And so what it looks like is it's kind of, I'm going to do this, I know it's the right thing, but it's us in our own strength. And what we're not doing is we've not stepped into this Boldly and confidently in the faith that God gives us. And maybe you know what that's like. Now, in a sense, that's okay, because actually you can acquire that faith as you go, and as God leads the way and opens up doors. But it's a tough place, isn't it? When you know this is the right route, you're just struggling to find faith for it. Does that make sense? Have you been in that place? And so we're in this place of limbo. So where might we be attempting to leave behind in the rear view mirror, as it were, when God is moving us on? If we know God's moving us on, what might we be leaving behind? Well, it could be circumstances, that we know it's right to leave certain circumstances behind. Could be situations, could be a workplace, for example, could be a changing career, could be a financial situation, could be A geographical location. So it might be circumstances. It might be relationships. Now, in life, as those of us who are parents have discovered, there are inevitable changes. Actually, it's not just parents, it's anyone. There are inevitable changes in life that force you to leave certain things behind. Let me explain. Well, the way we parent our children changes over time. And how we parent our young children is not the same as how we parent them when they're older. Ali and I are now in a situation, our youngest child, Katie, is off to university, so we're kind of in that empty nest phase. And relationships change in this place. We're no longer making decisions for our children. Some parents find this really hard, don't they? Because you don't change being a parent. And you don't need to be a parent to find this. It might be friends, people you just love and care for. You know. You almost want to make decisions for them, but you can't. And I've come to realise what we now do with our children is we can't just tell them. What we now do is we offer them our thoughts and advice. And that's that's a kind of riskier place to be. It's a more vulnerable place to be. You just offer that. So those relationships change inevitably. It works... It works at the time of marriage, for example. The last wedding we did uh, here at Beck, um, there's that place in the service where uh, the father is invited. Who gives this young lady away? And it's the father or equivalent. Um, Stetshorn says, I do. Well, the last wedding service, the couple wanted that both sets of parents gave their children away. Why? Because it can be really hard to give your kids away. This that we've done this morning, just to say this was no small thing. If these guys in their heart is truly to dedicate their children to God, in one sense, you're going, that's the best place for my child to be. In the other sense, you're going, yeah, but it may not always be easy for them. The journey that God's got for them. How many of us know that as parents? that the journey our children go on, particularly perhaps when they're older, when we've had to cast them loose, it may not be an easy journey. And you've got to stand back. They're given to God. And he's at work, as we'll see in a minute. So relationships. It doesn't have to be family relationships. Sometimes God just moves us on from relationships because they're not healthy. If God's not in a relationship, don't chase it. Don't chase it. You'll come a cropper. What other situations? Well, sometimes it might be negative attitudes and thought patterns we're to leave those behind we can just get into patterns of thinking that are not good for us and God wants to deal with them what's his solution well the truth sets us free his truth about a situation sets us free we can get caught up with negative thinking wrong thinking we build our lives sometimes on on what frankly lies God's like this, he's, he's just going to be angry with me, he doesn't care for me, I'm an accident, I'll never amount to anything. No, that's not what God says. We've just quoted several times, his plans for us are to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. So do we believe that? So sometimes he moves us on from wrong attitudes and thought patterns. I've come to see, he, he kind of moves us on from this as well, nostalgic longing. You do know, don't you, that nostalgia is just not what it used to be. It's not the old ones, the best, or not, as the case may be. So we can just have a kind of nostalgic longing for certain situations, the good old days. Be that society, be that in churches, be that in our own lives. I'm not. I'm not sure really there were ever golden ages where there was nothing wrong. I think. I think there are times in maybe a church's life, an individual's life, certainly in a society's life, history when times have been better but there's never been a perfect time I've come to see this is quite a powerful thing since my my mother died two years ago um, she didn't have uh, brothers or sisters she was an only child we've never been close to my father's side of the family so there's no aunts and uncles on her side there's no kind of great aunts and uncles so you start to realize you're somebody describe it to me you're the top of the tree you're kind of exposed there in this place you've got no family to go to now and go tell me about what was you know what was uncle such and such like and what was that holiday we went on there there's no one to do that with and so i've found myself getting really nostalgic about my upbringing and uh, any movie i I record now on on the the v h s on <laughs> any movie i record it's like if it's if it's later than 1960, it's too new. I love these old movies. Why? Well, I used to watch them with my granddad. I used to watch these great old movies with my granddad. So I'm kind of nostalgic for this stuff. That's fine. And there's, you know, that's that's not harmful, so long as you don't stay there. So long as you don't stay there. You see, you can't go back God allows things to move on. And if God's moving things on, we need to adapt to new scenarios like we'll see. Well, God was moving Israel on and they couldn't stay at the edge of the desert. And I just want to give a few guidelines, if you like, to help us not get stuck in a rut. So a few guidelines for not getting stuck in a rut. And firstly, looking back, guideline number one. Forget the former things, even when they're good. Sometimes you need to forget the former things, even when they're good. These are some passages that have spoken to me quite a lot recently. It's Isaiah, a prophet, a Jewish prophet, way before Israel went into exile. And he's he's forecasting, if you like, to these exiles. He's writing for these exiles that are going to come hundreds of years later. He says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now, Isaiah there is clearly honouring the past and learning from it. Because he's, he's talking here about Moses and the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea, which was before his time. So he's a student of history, he's looking back at the past, and he's learning, and he's saying, God made a way for us across the Red Sea, we're going to look at it next week, God made a way for us, he's going to make a way for us now. So he's, he's honouring the past, and he's learning from it. But then he goes on to say, but forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, and streams in the wasteland. And so, That passage goes on. So Isaiah's honouring the past, but he's not living there. So in what sense are we to forget the past? He says, forget the former things. One version talks about it. I'm doing something brand new. It's bursting out. God's always doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing, because he's a creator God. He just can't help himself but do new things. He's always doing a new thing, and it's important we catch up with it. In what sense, then, are we to forget the former things? Well, the former things were good. They're just out of fashion now. This is an early Beck elders group photo. (laughs) Alf's the guy on the left there. And... uh, Dave and I think, might be in there before he had a beard. Lovely tank tops, lads. So the former things were good. They're just now out of fashion. I think there's, there's a saying, isn't there, that if you wait long enough in terms of clothes, it will come round again. But there's also a little rule, I believe, that says don't wear it second time around. You can't wear it. If you still got it from the first time around, you can't wear those flares, etc. The second time around... Because it'll just be slightly different and you'll look dated. Just to let you know, waistcoats are always in fashion, okay? They are eternal. So, and Israel, here at the edge of the desert, God's saying to them, look, Egypt is so last year. He probably didn't say it like that. But Egypt is just in the past. It's out of fashion now for you. Whatever you think of it... It's in the past. It's true in life, scripture says this. There's nothing new under the sun in terms of our individual lives and church life. In one sense, there's nothing new under the sun. Things, son, things will come around again. Issues will come around again. It's just you won't be able to apply the same solutions. Like I say. Raising our children, every now and again, Ali, who, it tended to be Ali who was perceptive on this, would say, I think we need to have a little chat about whichever child it was. There's there's some stuff we need to look at. So let's say it's behaviour, okay? Our children were virtually saints, but just not quite. Every now and again. and Ali and I would have a little conflab, and we'd go, yeah, this is going on, this is happening with them, we need to do this. And then you'd kind of go on a bit, and a few years, and da-da-da, and then we'd perhaps go, actually, the, this same area, let's say it's behaviour, there's an issue here, we need to talk about that, what are we going to do? Now, how we approached our children when they were eight, in terms of their behaviour, let's say, was very different to how we might approach them when they're teenagers. So it's the same issue, their behaviour, or it might be relationships, or it might be whatever else. And, and you can apply this to your own life. The same issues come up again, worry, worry. Anxiety, etc., etc. But the same solutions can't be applied. You've got to wear the thing differently. Same issue, different approach, different solution. The old solutions go out of fashion. Are you following? Does that make sense? So, for example, in church life, the same issues will come up in church life. Things like we'll talk about evangelism, outreach, community outreach. We'll talk about things like the gathering and worship and preaching, we'll talk about things like small groups. But how we do these things, you can't just say, well, we did it this way then, let's do it the same way. A classic example is evangelism, I think. There was a time when kind of fairly confident presentation of a gospel that we believe to be historical suited a modernist mind view, mindset, okay, that you could present clear truth. Am I in the way there? Sorry, I do apologize. So a modernist outlook, clear presentation of the truth. People change. And so we live in a world now where people are more relational. So they don't just want to hear truth and facts about a historic gospel. Historic though we believe the gospel to be. What now needs to happen is we need to come alongside people. People need to see this faith at work in our lives through relationship. It's no good just saying, let's just stand on a street corner and present the gospel or knock on doors and hand out tracts. Those things may work, but they may not. And so you have to approach things differently. Some things go out of fashion. I think Ecclesiastes 3 is really, really helpful here. It says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Let me say, seasons are vital in life. It's so important we understand what season we're in. Let me just ask you this quickly. Take this away with you and pray about it. Ask yourself, do do I know what season I'm in? Do I know what season I'm in under God? Do I know where I'm at in life and what God's doing? Seasons are so important that God illustrated this in nature. He gave us seasons to show us, I think, spiritual truths, that we will live in different seasons in life. Like I say, we'll face different issues, have to do things differently. Jesus understood this to be important. In Luke 19, it says this. As he approached Jerusalem towards the end of his life, He'd been among them. Jesus had been among the Jews. As he saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He's meaning himself. He's saying, I could have brought you peace. In the first service, during the worship, we just had a lovely sense of God's peace. Does that appeal to you? To know peace? Then he says, they will not leave one stone on another. He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. Because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. What he's saying is this, you didn't see who I was. You didn't recognise that I had come among you. God in human form. One version says, you didn't recognise the time of God's visitation. And that word for time is the word kairos. It means God's opportune time. Let me say to you, brother, sister, God's got opportune times for you. Your your likelihood is you're in a a kairos season now. God's doing something. It's important that you recognise what that season is. And if you you are stuck in a rut, if it feels you're stuck in a rut, go to God. Say to him, Lord, what are you doing? What's going on? Because actually, that very act could kickstart The Kairos season. The very fact you've acknowledged, I'm in a bit of a rut here. Life's looked like this for a long time. Not a lot going on. I I don't believe that's to be the case. I think God's, we have to have a sense. God's about something. There's to be a vitality. See, God being about something in our lives brings vitality to us. Okay. Jonathan Edwards, uh, an 18th century American theologian, as opposed to the triple jumper, said this. The task of every generation is to discover in which direction the sovereign redeemer is moving, then move in that direction. That's God's call on our lives. To understand, what are you doing, God? It's not about my plans. Again, we quoted earlier, God's saying, I know the plans I have for you. We're far better getting caught up with his plans than ours. I just wonder whether there's not one or two of us here this morning, right now, you know you've been following your plans. Like really hardcore, trying to make something happen. And maybe it's not happening. Maybe it's, it's got a bit difficult. Maybe you just don't feel like you're making headway. Or you're just really frustrated. Well, why don't ask God what his plans are? Ask him what his plans are. And move in that direction. Here's a couple of truisms for us. Cool guys don't look back at explosions. Isn't that the case in movies? Have you noticed that? Cool guys do not look back at explosions. What happens is Iron Man or whoever it is, Arnie, you know, has just blown up the enemy lair. And James Bond, I remember that in one of the movies. And what happens is you see James or Iron, Iron Man walking away, kaboom, in the background. Cool guys don't look back. Don't look back at the explosions they've just created. Well, here's another truism. Don't look back. You're not going that way. We're not going that way. We're to honour the past, but we're not going that way. And the problem was this. Israel looked back. They just kept looking back. They hankered for what was in Egypt. They didn't forget the former things. They just couldn't. They just couldn't shake it off. Numbers 11 says this. Talking about Israel coming to Moses, the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost and also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic and the slavery, for goodness sake. (laughs) What's the point of onions and garlic when you're a slave people? But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. It was miraculous food that God provided. They kept looking back. It had just got in their system. And they weren't able to move on. One commentator says this, the exodus from the old ways will be harder than the exodus from the old land. It's easy to move geographical situations. It's easy to move relational situations. It's easy to move workplace situations. But if Egypt's still in you, you'll take Egypt with you. And the same issues will stay with you. On my bad days as a church pastor, okay, when I, when I start to think, oh, what am I doing? Nothing's happening. I'm not bringing anything here. What am I doing? I quite often, I think, I quite like to be a postman. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That's my, that's my fancy little, little fancy. Because I think, get up early in the morning, fresh air, all that sort of stuff. But I just think, the problem is this. If, if there's stuff in me that's causing me to hanker for something different. I'll just take that with me to being a postman. Postman, Paul? I could could have a song and everything. So God deals with us as we're going to see. Okay, let's move on. So do we hanker after this stuff? Do we think life could be so much better if only this would change, if only that would change? Well, God says, look, I'm doing a new thing in you. This is what you need to go with. Okay, so that's looking back at the past. Secondly, looking around at the present. Second guideline, don't hang around in this place, in the land of limbo. We have legitimate questions. If God's moving us on, if change is afoot, we can have legitimate questions. But don't let, let those questions and, and the, the kind of trying to map out all the possibilities of these decisions, don't let that paralyze you from doing anything. Let me tell you, indecision is final. Indecision is final. Let's not stay there. Better to be proactive, Sitting on the fence isn't going to work. Half in, half out is no good for us. And I tell you, sitting on that fence is just not going to be any good for us at all. There's a phrase in psychology called incongruence. And it's, it's the tension between what's called the idealised self and the actual self. It's the self we want to be or claim to be and who we are in reality. And I wonder whether as Western Christians, we don't live with incongruence. We live, and what I'm saying there is, I think we do live with incongruence. You see, we claim to follow almighty God. We claim that he has all the power and resources of heaven at his disposal. We claim that his spirit can transform the hardest soul. I'm not sure we live like that. And, I've said it before, I, I have a concern. I think our Western Christianity, as a rule, is a bit superficial, is, is a bit trivial. I'm not sure, there's incongruence. Well, following Jesus is a high bar. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 6. This is God's command to, to Israel at this time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These are my commandments that I give you today. Are there to be on your heart? And then he talks about impressing them on their children. Well, we claim we want to do this, folks. We've even put it on nice wall banners around our room to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we're claiming. Is there incongruence in my life? Is there incongruence in your life? Are we living like that? Jesus said the same thing he's saying if you come after me family ties is what he's saying there it's quite strong language he uses hyperbole he doesn't mean it literally he says family ties can't be the first thing it has to be God first then he ends up saying in the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples well he doesn't just mean everyone's got to do that what he's saying, though, is this. we certainly got to be prepared to do that. And if the test comes, are we willing? How many of us remember, talking of nostalgia, the 70s advert, Martini, Anytime, time, any place, anywhere? You know, we sing things like that to God in our worship songs. We say to him, any time, Lord, any place, you are all, you're my everything. I'll follow you. He thinks we mean it. And so he calls us, to this, don't let's live in the land of limbo. Thirdly, we're to trust God to make our paths straight. I wonder how many of us, our Christian journey feels like that maze. It's like we were going down one avenue and then dead end, didn't know where that was, turned around. That's how God leads us sometimes, isn't it? Look at what Proverbs 3 5 and 6. We should have known this. He promised that. I think there's probably, again, one or two of us here this morning, you're in this place. Life seems like a maze at the moment. You have no idea the way out. You're in a situation, a relationship, whatever it is, you have no clue. Well, let me just encourage you in that place. You were warned. You were warned because God said, trust in me, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to me, and I'll make your path straight. And certainly that was Israel's journey. We read earlier. They weren't led a certain way, even though it was shorter. In chapter 14 of Exodus, it says, they wandered around in confusion, and it was part of God's plan to deceive Egypt. Is that our testimony? It just feels like the journeys. It's just been like obstacles being hemmed in, it's been confusing. Well, God's still at work. Well, what on earth is he doing then? Well, he promises to guide. He says, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And you see, with God, the journey is as important as the destination. The journey's as important as the destination. It's his furnace for his deeper purposes. If you are going through stuff now, God's at work. He's at work in you. Exodus 13 there, it's kind of a bit confusing because on the one hand it says, at the end, the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. The translation probably is better military formation. They looked the part. However, God earlier says, however, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt, so I won't lead them into battle. What does that tell us? God works on the inside. We can look the part on the outside, but we know there's stuff going on on the inside that God needs to shape us in, work in. He says this in Deuteronomy 8. I won't read it, but he says the same thing. He says, I led you through the desert to test you, to see what's in your heart. So again, I just want to encourage you. If you're going through stuff now, God's at work. He's at work on the inside because he knows what you can handle. He knows what you can take. And you may have managed to fool others by looking the part. But God knows what you really need. Okay, let's finish. I don't know whether this has spoken to you individually. I don't know whether you find yourself in a place of limbo Maybe you've kind of come out of situations, you're trying to move on. Somehow something's holding you back or you're not fully committed. I absolutely think there's a sense in which this is right where we are as a church, at the edge of the desert. Let me explain what I mean. With utter conviction, I believe God is moving us on as a church. Whatever he's doing in our lives individually, he's moving us on as a church. We cannot stay where we are. We can't stay where we are. So it involves changes, and we've made some decisions around things like leadership of the church. Leaders are changing. I've just mentioned earlier, our stepping down. We're going to call other men and women to leadership in the church. We're going to take steps with regards to our services. We're trying to find a home, albeit temporary, to accommodate our services, both services, together on a sunday morning and we're also looking into a new building well we don't want to get caught in limbo there it's all well and good talking the talk but are we going to walk the walk if god's moving us on are we going to give verbal assent yet yeah, we're up for this and then get caught here in limbo because it's only verbal assent it's not heart stuff i believe that there'll be changes There'll be new responsibilities coming our way, individually and corporately. There'll be financial implications of where we're seeking to go. And one way or t'other, God's going to find out what's in our heart. But let me say this. If we believe he is leading us, let's commit. Let's commit. Let's trust his ways. In one sense, even if we don't like it, There may be things happen If God's on the move, if he's stirring us up, there'll be changes coming that we may not like. But if it's God, we've got to go with it. It's no good being nostalgic, being retro, being out of fashion. We've got to follow his lead. Our job is to understand which direction the sovereign leader is moving in our time and to follow him. Let's seek to do that. I' going to ask the band to come back up. Why don't we just, at the very least just be quiet? We might want to close our eyes at this point. Just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So let me just ask, do you feel God's been speaking to you this morning? You may call yourself a Christian, you may not though. But have you just had a sense, actually I I am in a bit of a rut. I thought thought life would be different at this point. I want to encourage you, go to God. Ask him what his new thing is. He's struggling to leave things behind. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's a certain situation. Maybe it is this, oh, it was so much better back in the day. You might want to just open your hands and ask the Lord to take those things out of your hands. Maybe you've got some real worries and concerns for situations in your own life about proceeding. You kind of have a sense that some a course of action is right, maybe that God's leading a certain way, but you've just got real trepidation about it. And you see that if I do this at this point, I'm not going to be doing this in faith. I'm going to be doing it in my own strength. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for any brother or sister like that. I pray, help them to trust you and lean not on their own understanding. Would you supernaturally, by your spirit, give them faith? And I do just wonder whether there's not one or two of us here this morning that the fundamental shift for you is to commit to Christ. The reason you're in a rut, the reason you find it hard to leave the past behind, the reason you're not moving forward like you'd like to be, is you're not, maybe at all, but certainly not fully committed to Christ and his will. We sang earlier, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. There's salvation in your name. With Jesus in your life, you will have the life of God in you, the vitality of God in you. His spirit will be at work in you. I want to encourage you. Why don't you do that? Why don't you commit your life to Christ? Let's stand, shall we, and we'll pray together. I'm going to worship in a minute. I'm going to sing a song, I think, about the the purposes of God. In everything, God has purposes. But let's just pray before that. And whether we're Christian or not, you might pray this with me. Just going to pray a prayer where we commit ourselves to Christ and ask him, to have his way in our lives. We're going to, as best we can, trust him. You might want to put your hands out in front of you. Just pray this under your breath or quietly in your heart. Lord Jesus, I give myself to you this morning. I trust you with my life. I see I've got a bit stuck. It's been so hard to move forward come and give me strength Holy Spirit fill me if you're a believer why don't you just ask God to do that we're going to need that individually, corporately to be a spirit filled people ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit this morning Holy Spirit come